DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. A clean home is a festive home. And Zero Res has a deal for you. $33 per room for carpet cleaning. Schedule at least three rooms. Get an extra room clean for free. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How's it going? Good. I'm curious as you watch a game like BYU and Coastal Carolina, it's competitive, it's exciting, it's down to the final play and the final yard and all that. But clearly we can go back, a lot of mistakes, a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda moments whenever you have a close game. So how many of those you know, physical mistakes and stuff happens and how much of it is mental stuff and you think, man, if I could work with them, I could change that. What are you thinking when you're watching the game? Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I am I am in mental performance as a coach, but I, I felt like this had to do more with physical physicality than than anything else, and and physicality does have a direct impact on on the mental part of the game, right? So uh, I just thought that offensively and defensively on the line of scrimmage, that Coastal Carolina was really really amped up to play, and I don't. You know, I don't think it was BYU fans or anybody like that that was that was hard on the O line and the D line for Coastal Carolina. But I felt like they had a chip on their shoulder based on what had been said about them. I mean, I mean, I mean, even during the game, they did a highlight on the center being five nine two ninety, right? And so there I am. I'm watching them go against Tonga, and they had a great game plan, uh, offensive line and defensive line wise. And I thought. It's really tough to win football games when things aren't going well there. And, you know, we we don't need to point out any offensive linemen, but there was one or two that had a really, really tough night for BYU on the offensive line. And we just haven't seen that all year, right? We haven't, we haven't seen them struggle. We haven't seen them have to, to face that kind of adversity. I thought, I thought BYU played well enough to win, but the, on that night they were not the better team. Okay, so you say it's you know more physical than mental. Where does emotion come into it? Because it seems like all the emotion, or most of the emotion, was slanted towards one side. Yeah, you know this is this is the hard part of, and and I have to give a lot of compliments to to Kalani and to the BYU team up to this point, because somehow they've been able to manage the emotion and and be able to understand that. Um, you never know when you're going to play, why you're going to play, who you're going to play, that there's going to be games that are canceled, there's going to be games that you think you're going to play that you don't play. And I think their mindset has been pretty good. For whatever reason, though, they came out flat this week, and it's it's hard to come up with with the right thing to say or the you know collectively as a whole for the team to play with high emotion every week. Now, I don't know if that's because of the trip. I don't know if that's because they hadn't played for a while and then that thing was scheduled on Thursday and it's tough to get ready for, you know, a team, you know, in, in two days, let alone a team that's running a spread option attack that has some some wishbone principles to it that are, that are difficult to cover. But I don't think BYU is going to give any excuses. Um, I liked their attitude. I know people have been critical of anywhere, anytime, any place, all that kind of stuff. And they were like, yeah, but they ducked Washington. And 
all of that stuff to me is the right mindset. They, they should have been willing to play anywhere, anytime, any place. This is a good football team, and they came up one yard short. They came, they, they literally came up one yard short, and that's that's part of being great. That's part of like you you're going to put yourself out there when you're trying to be great. And to me, I you know in in the when I speak to teams in general, I talk about it all the time. I say you know. Who do, you, who do you think is the best football team in the country? or the, Who's the best football program in the country? And most people come back, they'll say Alabama or Clemson. And I'll say, well, did they win the national championship next year, last year? And they're like, no, LSU did. And I go, well, so why do you say Alabama or Clemson? And the truth is it's because they're knocking on the door all the time. They're always in the conversation. They're always there. And great teams are always knocking. And I, and I I think if you're BYU, you got to be, you got to be feel, you got to feel good about the fact that you are knocking on the door of competing in a New York, a New Year Six um, type situation, and and that's where you want to be as the BYU program every year. You want to be knocking on the door of New York, New Year Six, and then eventually you change that goal to knocking on the door of the college playoff all the time. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. So, believe it or not, there is another game for BYU. You, you expect them to be ready and beat San Diego State? Well, this one's a tough one. Um, I've, I've just seen it too many times in my experience where you have high hopes for your season. You have big plans for what the season is going to look like. And and you fall a little bit short in a tough game like the Coastal Carolina game, and then this one's tough to get up for because, like, man, what, we were so close, right? We were so close. My my personal opinion is I was I would expect BYU to be – my personal opinion is I think it'll be hard to play well and to play sharp in the first half. Now, have I been wrong before? Yes. And will I be wrong again? Yes. But – this is just a hard one. That was that was a big blow. That was a big change in momentum for the season. And now you have to dig deep. You have to find out. You have to think about why do I play football? <clears throat> do I do I play it for my name in the paper? Do I play it for the accolades that we get as a team? Or do I play it because I love to play and I love to compete and I love to challenge myself to play at the highest level possible? And that's that's where you've got to get if you're BYU right now is that I love the game. I love to compete. I love to compete every single week. We've been fortunate as a team to play a lot more games than a lot of schools this year. And this is fun for me to do. This is what I do, and this is what I like to do. So after the game, the Utah game on Saturday night, Kyle Whittingham comes out and says that they were vanilla in the second half offensively. You've been around this program. You know a bunch of people. Can you explain what goes through the mind of an offensive coordinator who is coordinating plays under Kyle Whittingham as the head coach? <laughs> uh, it's tough. It's 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 very tough to coach um, at the University of Utah as an offensive coordinator. First of all, all the emphasis is on the defense. All the emphasis is on um, playing really good defense and not turning the ball over. It's high stakes and high pressure as an offense. If one week you, you throw for a bajillion yards but you have four turnovers, they're pointing out that you have four or five turnovers. You know, the next week you play really, really well, but your third down percentage is terrible. 
they're talking about how the offense really struggled to stay on the field on third down and got the defense tired. And then the next week, you're winning. Somebody, you know, somebody's in your ear as an offensive coordinator telling you to run the freaking ball and take care of the ball, and it takes away some of your rhythm and the rhyme to, like, what you're trying to do. You don't do as well offensively, and then they, they call you vanilla. I mean, it's just this constant difficulty of not only trying to, to, to defeat the other team, but doing it in a way that's not going to be criticized <laughs> even when you win. You know? I, I guess personally, um, I've come around to Kyle and, and the way that he runs things in a lot of ways because I feel like it's his team. And I feel like if, if it's his ship, he gets to run the ship the way that he wants to. I guess I don't understand why you would say it out loud in the press. Like, I, I think you could say it, I think you could say it to Andy Ludwig, like, really, really easily, like, in your Sunday night meeting or your Monday morning meeting and just say, hey, what happened? Why were we so vanilla here? Right. Um, but I do feel like Andy Ludwig, out of all the offensive coordinators that Kyle has had and will have, is is totally prepared for this moment that he understands how Kyle coaches. He knew exactly what he was getting into when he came back to the University of Utah. And so I don't I don't see it being a big controversy, but I do think it's difficult. Um, number one, because of the reasons that I stated before. Number two is there's just not that many five hundred thousand dollar a year jobs floating around um, around the country. So if you want to make good money doing something that you love to do, you know, you can look around and there's like, I don't know, maybe 20 offensive coordinators making that much money and you're one of the 20. And if you get let go, that doesn't mean that you're just going to get picked up by one of the other 20 because those guys are all trying to battle to keep their jobs. So it's a competitive atmosphere and it's, it's difficult, but you know, they, they, they knew what they signed up for as well. And, and I think I think Andy Ludwig, out of anyone, is totally aware of, of what kind of a situation that he's in. I think a lot of what you said is really true and really smart there, Riley. But nonetheless, when Kyle was saying it, I wanted to be standing in the back of the room waving my arms going, no, 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 no. <laughs> And then when he came on, when he came on and did his, uh, I think it was in Monday, because he did availability on Monday and Tuesday, he said when he saw the film that the running back missed a hole on, it was either second and one or third and one. You know, they ran for nine yards on first down. And you, you know, you, if you run three times in a row, it's easy to come out and say they were vanilla. But if you run on first down for nine yards, you can't say it was a terrible play call. And if you throw on second and one and anything happens other than a catch and a first down is a terrible play, play call because you ought to be able to line up and get a yard. And I get that on third and one, you're like, okay, somebody blew an assignment. It happens. You do it again. And now you're vanilla. And yet when you watch the film, it's like, well, literally the play call worked. But if you don't run to the hole, it's execution. The problem is execution. But it doesn't seem like this is ever going to change, does it? And the thing I'd tell Kyle is you're going to have to loosen the reins on the offense a little bit if you want to get where you want to be. And you, you want to be the Pac-12 champ. And if that gets you the Rose Bowl grade, if it gets you the playoff grade, but you want to be the Pac-12 champ and you're not going to do it without a good passing game. And I don't think you're going to have a good passing game if every mistake is second-guessed publicly. Even if the offensive coordinator can handle that, I don't think the players, I don't think the quarterback and all the receivers can handle it. It's hard, it's hard work, right? Like this is this, this is why football is fun. This is why 
coaching football. That's why there's so many critics and so many different people that, that, that get to take a look at it and go, man, I think, I think you're doing this wrong. I don't know that, you know, I don't know that this is the right decision. And I, it, it's hard. And I think one of the things that um, I'm starting to learn, and I'm, and I'm young in my career as a mental performance coach, but the first 45 minutes of a, uh, after a game are hugely important. <laughs> They're hugely important. And I'm talking about if you're a mom and dad driving your kid home, don't turn the car into a coffin. Like, Let's, you don't have to come up with all the reasons why the game didn't go well or why your son didn't hustle or your daughter wasn't playing with the energy that she wanted. And this is kind of what Kyle is, right? Like he's the dad of the team. And those those first 45 minutes are important, and you have to be able to let emotions pass before you make comments. And um, I think for the most part, Kyle does an incredible job of that. I, this one, though, is kind of like, Kind of like you said, you're in the back of the room like, no, 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 no. You're going to watch the film and you're going to see that this guy missed the hole and, and that it was a lot more nuanced than just that they were vanilla, right? And, you know, if, if, if you really wanted to get down and we were to give some truth serum to Andy Ludwig, he's probably saying, well, I'm vanilla because you want me to run the ball. Like, you want me to run? You want me to run it? And so, I, listen, it's – I'm not being critical of Kyle because, like I said, it's it's his ship, and he needs to be able to do it the way he wants. I do think that those first 45 minutes to an hour after a game, regardless of who you are, if you're a fan, if you're a coach, if you're a player, if you're a parent, hugely important, hugely important that you that you react well, that you say the right things and you do the right things for those first 45 minutes because a lot of the things that you want to say can be said two hours later with a lot less emotion and to be a lot more productive. Yeah, now you tell me. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what am I, 15 years late, 10 years late for you? I paid a heavy price, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, uh, how about the Aggies? you think they got a quarterback there? Oh, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's, I think there's lots of good things for Utah State. I think, I think what'll be interesting too is is once they get a new coach, like what what does he assess it to be? I think I think there's quarterbacks there. I think I mean you, you've got you've got the ones that are on scholarship. You've got Peasley, who is very very athletic and has a lot of talent. I think with the right coaching, he becomes a very very good player. Um, but it'll be interesting, I, you know, who, whoever it is that ends up being the next coach is always going to want to bring in his guy or bring in a guy that kind of suits his offense. And so the tough part for the quarterbacks that are on campus will be not only are they trying to beat the guys out that are in the room there, but they're going to be have to, they're going to have to beat out the guy that's being brought in. And so, you know, playing quarterback at division one is, is not easy. And um, you, you, you better love the game because it's going to give and it's going to take. And when it takes, it takes a pound of flesh while it's at it. So I'm struck by the, uh, you know, for all the the talent and the measurables and the scheming and the film and all that, there is no, uh, there's no replacement for playing hard. And having watched the first few Aggie games and then, and I know New Mexico is not nearly as good as Boise State, San Diego State, and Nevada. But playing hard, it looks different. And I watched the NFL and the Cowboys, it just didn't look like they played hard against the Ravens. 
They just looked like, we're beaten in this game, we're beaten in this season, what are we doing here? And we don't play hard. Like Everything else shows up, and it's basic, and everybody knows that, and yet, nonetheless, teams still don't play hard. How do you... How do you coach that up? And when you're working as a mental performance coach, how do you get there? Or is there nothing you can do? People either play hard or they don't. No, I think I think there's things that you can do. I I, I, I won't mention any names here because I don't. I think you'll know who it is when I'm saying it. But there was a coach who recently moved from one high school. He's he was fairly successful there. Um, even won a state championship. And then he's he's moved to another high school. I just said to him, I said, Hey, what's the biggest difference? from high school A to high school B, he's like, I don't have to coach effort. It was the, it was like the quickest, most poignant statement I'd ever heard. And I, I've been very, very, like, pensive about the the, the, the thought or the, the, the comment that he made. I don't have to coach effort. I mean, I can't even imagine how easy it is to coach when you don't have to coach effort. It's the hardest thing to do in football. It's the hardest thing to do just in general. And as a, as a mental performance coach, uh, you know, I, I talk to people all the time. I actually compare it to a cell phone, right? And I'll talk to, I'll talk to players, and I'm like, so, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally today, what percent are you guys at? And one will raise their hand, he'll say 73. Another one will say 58. And uh, another one will say 86. You know, and I'm like, awesome. You know, thank you for being honest with me because – because college sports is a grind, right? You're always playing with some sort of an injury. There's some sort of thing going on in your life. There's difficult things that are going on as a player. And I just talked to him about don't don't ever let it be an excuse not to give 100% effort. So if you're at 53% today, give me 100% of your 53%. If, you, if you're at 78%, give me 100% of your 78%. Because just like a cell phone, right, like if we give 100% capacity – or 100% effort, whether we're at 21% or 89%, there's still really, really good results. Now we get down to 1%, 2%, things get squampus. We got to, you know, we got to go to sleep. We got to recharge. We got to recalibrate and those sorts of things. But oftentimes we mistake the way that we're feeling for how much energy we're supposed to get, give. And so I think that's where it becomes hard. If we can we can help people to understand that, yeah, you don't feel perfect today, but you can certainly be perfect on your effort. You certainly can be perfect on the amount of, of effort that you give today. Then, then it becomes a little bit easier. But as a coach, if you're spending too much time on that, now you're starting to get away from X's and O's. Now you're starting to get away from scheming and some of those things. And it's just like, man, it's easy when guys are mature when guys have come in with the right mindset, they know that they need to work hard every day and they aren't afraid to make mistakes, but they'll play hard. I mean, every coach loves a player that plays hard and plays, they call it playing with your hair on fire, right? They're okay with his mistakes because they know he's going 100 miles an hour and they can direct him in the right direction. It's the guy that, that comes and sometimes gives 50% and then is awesome on one play because he gives 100%. And then you can't find them for the rest of the game. Those are the guys that are hard to coach. And it's tough. It's, it's probably the toughest thing in sport to coach is effort, in my opinion. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you. Love your show, guys. Thanks for having me on.